welcome to Real Men Talk. Today we've got a special episode for you. Um, we were going to be introducing Bishop Josh Reasons, and we're going to be talking about the Gog and Magog War and the significance between it and what is going on in Russia and Ukraine. Listen up. Here we go. Real Men Talk. You're listening to the Real Men Talk podcast, brought to you by the Palace of Praise Church in Poplar Bluff, Missouri. Now here are your hosts, Anthony Crenat and Craig Reynolds. Hey guys, it's Anthony Cornett with you here with Craig Reynolds. Hey everybody, how you doing today? We'd like to introduce Bishop Josh Reasons with us today. How are you doing, Josh? I'm doing well. How are you guys? Good, good, good. So, so today we're kind of having a um, a special episode. We're going to be talking about um, the uh, Russia and Ukraine, what's going on over there, and we're going to be talking about the Gog and Magog War, um, and we're going to be talking also about about what's the the prophecies that are, that are being fulfilled today. Yeah, uh, we're, uh, without a shadow of a doubt, living in unprecedented times right now, times like none other. All right, Josh, why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself and kind of kind of let the listeners know who you are and what what, what you got to talk about today. Yeah, well, again, thanks for having me. Uh, my name is Josh Reasons. I'm the uh, discipleship pastor here at the Palace of Praise. And, uh, you know, I've always just had somewhat of an interest in end-time study, uh, what, what the Lord has to say in the Scriptures and I feel like we're definitely living in the last days. I know I'm not alone on that. Many Christians yeah. right now are uh, feeling the effects of the things going on in the world, and they're wanting answers to the questions they have. Yes. And I think we're on the precipice of some big stuff right now. Yeah. Uh, so I want to go ahead and ask the first question of the segment, and that is, uh, so where is Gog and Magog war talked about in Scripture and in what context? And uh, just kind of give us a general overview of what, of what this is. And uh, for our listeners, and a, just a basic understanding of it. Yeah, well, you'll probably find uh, the biggest passage pertaining to Gog and Magog war is found in Ezekiel 38 and 39. Um, it's also spoken of in Revelation chapter 20, but that's in a different context. Um, what we're seeing right now, in my opinion, and in the opinion of so many people right now, is this war that is spoken of uh, throughout these chapters, but primarily when you read the first nine verses of Ezekiel 38, and I want to do that just very quickly. Uh, I know it's several verses to read, but hopefully it'll kind of set the context of it. Um, And it simply says this, and I'm reading out of the HCSB version. It says, the word of the Lord came to me, son of man, turn your face toward Gog of the land of Magog, the chief prince of Meshach and Tubal, prophesy against him and say, this is what the word of the Lord says. Look, I am against you, Gog, chief prince of Meshach and Tubal. I will turn you around, put hooks in your jaws, and bring you out with all of your army, including horses and riders who are all splendidly dressed, a huge company armed with shields and bucklers, all of them brandishing swords, Persia, Cush, and Put are with them, all of them with shields and helmets, Gomer with all its troops, and Beth Togarma, from the remotest parts of the north, along with all its troops, many peoples are with you. Be prepared and get yourself ready, you and all your company who have been mobilized around you. You will be their guard. After a long time, you will be summoned. In the last years, you will enter a land that has been restored from war and regathered from many peoples to the mountains of Israel, which had long been a ruin. They were brought out from the peoples, and all of them now live securely. You, all of your troops, and many peoples with with you will advance, coming like a thunderstorm. You will be like a cloud covering the land. And so these these two chapters, I read those first nine verses there, but these two chapters, uh, Ezekiel 38 and 39, 
Um, they, they are probably from everything that I have studied and the different scholars that I have read will tell you that these are probably two of the hardest chapters in the Bible to understand what's, yeah, what's going on in these last days. Um, and I, I refer to a lot of people, uh, you know, I don't necessarily consider myself to be an original thinker, but I do read a lot. I read a lot of broad, uh, broad spectrum of views on this. I mean, some of the people that I like to reference and refer to, of course, David Jeremiah is a great scholar, John Hagee, Chuck Missler, Joel Richardson. Jimmy Evans, a um, couple of the others, Dr. March Hitchcock and Pastor Mark Biltz. Those are just some names that I have read over the years and studied about this. And they all agree on certain major components of these chapters. And they do differ on some areas about Gog and Magog. But really, this whole episode here is talking about an invasion of the land of Israel by its its neighbors, and it's got to be its regional neighbors. It mentions those different countries there, and obviously those nations uh, aren't necessarily under the same names as referenced here in this passage. They have new names, you know, when you're talking roughly 2,500 years later. Right. Um, but, but they're all within the general area. They're all neighboring nations and regions of Israel. Right. And, of course, you know, one of the preconditions, obviously, if they're going to invade Israel as a people, is that Israel's got to be a nation again. Right. And so at this time, you know, in Ezekiel, it's talking about one episode, um, you know, coming, uh, coming invasion, different, different prophecies there. But we know that after uh, Titus come in, after Jesus was on the earth, he ascended in 70 AD, Titus came along, uh, the Romans took over uh, all of Jerusalem, they destroyed the temple. And then basically, um, you know, Israel was dispersed for 2000 years until 1948, whenever it became a nation again. So now is that time if there's ever going to be a fulfillment of this passage of scripture, that, it, that if there's going to be an invasion, Israel is going to have to be a nation again. And it's, it's once again, the nation. Right. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, we, we see a bunch of names, a bunch of places here in these scriptures. Um, you know, it talks about all these, all these different places. Like you mentioned that they've got different names um, now versus what they did then. But um, uh, who do you think are the participating countries that are in, that are going to be involved in this war Today, yeah. Well, again, you know, we we talk about these different scholars and people that I kind of uh, pull from and quote from and just uh, make sense on my own. Is that obviously it's talking about Russia. You know, there what it talks about coming from the remotest parts of the north. Uh, if you look on a map and if you'll go directly north of Jerusalem, uh, Moscow is almost directly north of Jerusalem. Right. And of course, uh, you really can't go any further north with it being an area of population other than Russia. So we know there's kind of a consensus among all the, the Bible scholars that it's definitely talking about Russia. And of course, these other nations that are mentioned, that's obviously a coalition. It's an alliance of all of these different nations, but specifically it's, it's talking about Islamic countries that are going to participate in this invasion. Uh, it uses this expression in there about Gog and Magog. Well, Gog in this context, it's literally uh, talking about a leader. That's a person. That's an individual who it's referencing there. And Magog is a region or it's a territory. Uh, Genesis uh, is kind of interesting. Genesis chapter 10 uh, actually points out different names that are associated with Gog and Magog. Um, and Japheth, who is the son of Noah, he had three kids that we know of. And Magog, Meshach, and Tubal, these are all sons of Japheth. And so it seems kind of fair to say that whenever after the flood had occurred and, and the water receded and the dry land came on, that Japheth and his children went north. 
they obviously settled in that region, the land of Magog, because we see these other regions that are mentioned there as well, as far as uh, Meshach and Tubal. So evidently they had settled in what we now know as Russia. And Magog actually means Prince of Rosh. That's actually what the definition means. And so Gog or Rosh, that's the root word that many people think Russia gets its name from. Right. Makes sense. Yeah. So a lot of the versions that you read, different Bible versions that you read, that uh, they think that they're talking about Russia because of the similarities between the two words. And even during the Byzantine Empire, you know, going all the way back into like the 11th and 12th centuries A.D., um, they would refer to that area as Rus, or they would many times they would call it Rosh. And so even all those thousands of years later from the time of that prophecy, uh, even until, you know, again, the 11th and 12th centuries, AD, it was still referenced by that same name. So without a doubt, it's talking about Russia uh, right. being part of that invasion force. And so, it's, it's kind of crazy that you see, you know, it talks about the alliance of all these people. And of course, there's, there's a lot more involved in, than just Russia. But you look at, at, you know, like you were talking about, like the Islamic countries and, and today, you, you know, Iran. And and all them how they how they all Turkey and and all them how they're all tied together right now as as you know allies. Yes, you know absolutely. And so you have Russia. A lot of people don't know this, but Russia right now is a major player in the Middle East. Um, they've got interests there. You know, um, right now they have a military base. They have an air force base in Syria, and a lot of people know that. Um, the regime that's in power in Syria, well, that's Russian-backed. And the only reason that they're still in power there is because the Russians support them. I remember reading an article not all that long ago that said that Russia actually has um, aircraft, nuclear or, or aircraft capable of carrying nuclear bombs stationed in Syria at this very time. So they already have a presence there. They want a presence there just to be able to fill some kind of a power vacuum. If anything comes into play in the Middle East, they want to be able to establish themselves. They want to be able to have some influence on what goes on in the Middle East. Um, And, you know, they supply not just Syria, but they supply so many of those uh, regional nations, the Muslim, primarily Muslim nations, um, with all of their military hardware. Mm -hmm. You know, they back so many of them. Um, And so then we also see, as it goes on in the scriptures there, when it's talking about, Persia, for example, let's talk about modern Iran, right? You know, we, we know that Iran is in the modern um, or, or the, the ancient Persian empire. Um, you know, Iran in so many places, um, they've come out in so many different ways. They've made it known to the media, to the world that they want to destroy Israel. They feel like that it is a mandate yes. that they are called to destroy Israel, wipe it off the face of the earth. Specifically, they want to go back and they want to take over Jerusalem. You know, they want to be able to, because, uh, you know, even though it's not Mecca, even though Jerusalem is not Mecca, it's not the holiest site in the Islamic faith. Jerusalem still has uh, significance, you know, in the, in the uh, Muslim faith. And so they want to take control of that. They feel like that they owe that as part of their religious duties. Right. They feel like it's their birthright. Absolutely. Because they at one time conquered it. And because they've conquered it in the past, they feel like they have an inherent right to it now. And so they right. want to, they want to rid the world of those, you know, people that are there now. And so, they're, they're going to great lengths to do just that. Um, I mean, even recently in the past few days, obviously the world knows that they've been working on trying to get nuke material. Uh, they've been working on that for uh, years and years and years. I mean, we even in the United States, we saw that under the Obama administration, the different um, uh, acts and things that we went through to, to uh, basically buy them off to not necessarily stop production, 
but to slow down production with $150 billion in cash that we sent them over there and different things. Um, they're already trying to bring that whole agreement back up, uh, up back to life, but it's really not going to stop anything because Iran wants it. Right. They want it and they will get it at any cost. And they've never been true to the word ever. Iran's yeah. ne- never been true to the word. And from what I understand, they're just months months away from having nuclear capability. Well, some of the, some of the people that I've already heard say that they feel, and, and again, you can look a lot of this up online and, and credible sources. Um, they feel like they probably already have enough material to make at least one or two. The issue then becomes, well, how are they going to get it there? In other words, how are they going to have some kind of a weapons delivery system? And they're already working on um, ballistic missiles. And they fact, they, they think they've already got one that will go as far as 800 to maybe 1,200 miles, which would do the job. Right. I mean, if they could combine the two, if they could put enough nuke material on a warhead and send it over there, that would definitely reach Israel, um, which would reach the target. And then, which obviously Israel has also vowed at any and every cost that they stop will stop them. them from getting that. And so... That, that kind of talk from both sides, you can see a potential conflict coming there. Yeah, and then you got Russia, you know, coming back into Russia. Russia's like, anybody who messes with Iran, will, you know, there will be consequences from yeah. us. Yeah, an ally, an ally mm-hmm. of theirs, for sure. You know, we're talking about all this stuff with, with Russia and, and Iran and Israel and, and, you know, the Gog and Magog war. Um, is, there, is there a connection between what is going on in Jeremiah 49 and uh, 37 through 39 prophecy? Yeah, I think so. Um, and I want to just kind of read those verses to you very quickly. Jeremiah 49, 37. That's what it says. It says, I will devastate Elam before their enemies, before those who want to take their lives. I will bring disaster on them, my burning anger. This is the Lord's declaration. I will send the sword after them until I finish them off. I will set my throne in Elam and I will destroy the king and the officials from there. This is the declaration of the Lord. In the last days, I will restore the fortunes of Elam. This is the Lord's declaration. This was um, actually a point that was brought up. I heard a gentleman talking about this online and um, just, and again, this is just people somewhat speculation, but you could see how it makes sense prophetically where Iran has their nuclear facility right now. Um, They keep talking about all these centrifuges and how they're, they're spinning down all the material to make that nuke. It's actually in the region of Elam. Elam in ancient times is in what we now refer to as Iran. It's kind of in the Southern portion of Iran. Mm -hmm. And so it's kind of interesting when it's talking about this passage right here, when Israel makes the declaration that they're going to go in there, that they'll do anything they have to do to take out that site, that, that facility that's spinning down all the nuke material to make it pure to the point that they can make a nuke weapon. Uh, they, they wonder if Israel stepping in there and bombing that facility and taking it out, if that's not somewhat of a fulfillment of this very passage here, uh, because it being in that actual region of Elam. And so we see all these kinds of things come to pass. I think next, when you talk about the different nations that's mentioned, it's talking about Ethiopia. Uh, that's in modern Sudan and different portions of modern Ethiopia, which is kind of referred to as Kush. And then Libya, in ancient times, that whole area was often referred to as Put. And then you have Turkey, which is, you know, we would know it as Togarma. So all these nations are, in some way, they're aligned with one another uh, and with Russia. And they all, basically, for different reasons, they hate Israel. You know, right. they're, coming at it from, they're coming at it from a different perspective. 
but Russia hates Israel for uh, specific reasons. We'll talk more about that in just a minute. But then you have all of these uh, primarily Islamic nations, you know, that while they might even have issues with one another, um, their, their common thread between all of this is that they all hate Israel. Right. You know, pre- predominantly they all hate Israel for different regions. And, and some of those are more religious reasons, you know, from those yeah. Islamic nations. You know, which is kind of crazy. I know this is kind of off topic, but it kind of goes back to, you know, Abraham. You know, it, it all, you know, Abraham's, you know, going out of the will of God and, you know, having Ishmael, you know, which is where you, the Islamic is birth right there, you right. know, and, and all this stuff. And, and the hatred between between Ishmael and, you know, that, that whole that whole ordeal right there, you know, it, and how it's festering even to today, you know, I mean, how many thousands of years, years later, later, you know, and it's, it's, it's wild. Yeah. And so you're going to ultimately have, you're going to have this coalition of uh, Russia and mostly Islamic nations. And, you know, the Bible doesn't say that it's going to be Muslims that will invade. It doesn't say that it doesn't, you know, say it's going to be due to some other religious uh, reason that they invade because obviously Islam wasn't even a religion during the time of Ezekiel. But, but because the areas that are mentioned in the scripture, it just makes sense that, you know, they're all Muslim nations, that that's going to be the primary reason that they go in there. And the Bible talks about how that Israel at the time of that invasion, it's going to be living in relative security um, and peace. And then all of a sudden the invasion is going to happen. And it's interesting that when you read that, it's in verse four, it talks about that basically God is the one that's going to instigate this war. Right. God will be the one to, to start this, you know, which a lot of people are kind of curious on that. Uh, it says in there that he puts hooks in their jaws and he draws them down basically so that he can destroy them so that, you know, he can demonstrate himself to his people, to the world that he is God. He is the God of Israel and that right. he is real. And so that's part of the reasoning behind that. I feel like the Lord's going to do that. Um, and you know, this force that's going to come down, it's going to be huge. Right. It's going to be an overwhelming force. Um, and, but it'll be a supernatural event that God himself will demonstrate. You know, Israel, as strong as they are militarily, and they are as powerful as they are in the region, and they are, you know, when you talk about a coalition of forces that's going to be coming against them, the size of which Russia could bring to bear, that all these uh, Islamic nations could bring to bear, it's an overwhelming force. Yes. But God, by himself, he will be the one to do some sort of supernatural event uh, that's going to be the one to destroy them. You can see that in verses 17 through 22 that kind of bear that out. Yeah. And, you know, you were talking about, you know, reasons why, why they're, they're going to make this happen. Verse 14, it talks about, um, and you have mobilized your assembly to carry off plunder. Mm-hmm. You know, and you look at the stuff that the things that are happening in Israel right now. For instance, their, their pocket of, of, of natural gas that they, that they have found, you yes. know, that how many ever cubic tons, you know, they're, they're creating a pipeline and all this stuff now, you know, and the resources that the, all the resources, the, the Dead Sea alone hold yeah. in it, you know, all these different things. And, and it's, it's amazing, you know, because all this stuff is prophesied here and you see in the natural, what is, what Israel actually has. And there's str- just their strategic position right there on the Mediterranean and, and, and where they're at, you know, um, it's, it, it's, it's fascinating really to see how God has, has designed, you know, strategically put placed Israel and and how these these prophecies, how many ever thousands of years these prophecies were foretold, how it all lines up. Yeah, I mean, I remember in 2013, we were in Israel, and we went to the Dead Sea, and our guide told us at that time, he said that it's estimated there's well over a trillion dollars worth of minerals and natural resources just in the area around the Dead Sea alone. It's, I mean, that's that's huge, you know, yeah. and that and who wouldn't want that in terms of a nation and having that ability 
to get those kinds of resources to sell off. And so Israel has all that capacity. Yes. So yeah, they're, they're a huge exporter of goods and, and economically they're a powerhouse because of that. Uh, so yeah, we've been talking about this war and uh, just as far as biblical timeline and where we're at uh, there, Pastor Josh, when and, and why do you think this war will be fought? I know we've discussed a little bit, but if you don't care to just go a little further in depth on that. Yeah. Um, will it happen prior to the rapture? Uh, just after the rapture, some people think it's going to happen uh, at the end of the seven-year tribulation. You know, that's the same time that we're in the marriage supper of the Lamb in heaven. You've got tribulation going on down here. Other people think it's going to happen maybe potentially at the end of uh, the thousand-year reign, the millennial reign of Christ on, on earth. And so, again, you know, the different people that I've read, different people I've studied in the scriptures that I've, I've looked over, you're going to get all kinds of varying theories on this stuff. But everything that I have studied, that I've read, as best I can piece it together, um, I understand it. Um, it's definitely not going to be at the end of the thousand-year reign. It's not going to be at the end of the, the millennial reign of Christ. And my theory uh, you know, on that, my belief on that, is that when you look at um, Revelation chapter 20, verses 7 through 9, uh, I, I won't read that just for time, but it talks about in there, it mentions Gog and Magog, and that's happening at the end of the thousand-year reign. This is when Satan is released from his captivity. The Bible talks about for a short season. Um, and it says that he will come out of Gog and he will uh, come out of Gog and Magog. Um, and he will lead basically a final rebellion uh, against the Lord, against Christ at that time, and against the people of God. And he'll ultimately be put down for good, even though Ezekiel and even though um, Revelation mentioned Gog and Magog, I don't think it's talking about the same event um, because the main reason and everything that I've studied is that Ezekiel is talking about specific nations. I mean, it literally mentions these nations, these regions, and those people being in rebellion. But when you go over into Revelation, uh, and, and also one important fact is that this is something that's instigated by God. The Ezekiel passage, it's instigated by God himself. But when you move over into the Revelation uh, passage, it's talking about that basically the entire world will be led into rebellion against that against them at that time and uh, also it's instigated by the enemy it's instigated by satan himself so it's it's two different events when it's talking about gog and magog and revelation it's just basically talking about uh, in essence the spirit the spirit of rebellion that's going to come against them is what i think it's talking about so i don't think it's the same event like a familiar spirit yeah familiar spirit yeah that right. spirit of rebellion that's coming against a war against them so i think it's it's two different events there um I also don't think that this is talking about Armageddon. I think it's a different event than that. Um, you know, we can read Ezekiel chapter 38, uh, verse 8, just, just real quick to kind of hit on that for just a minute. It says, After a long time you will be summoned. In the last days you will enter a land that has been restored from war and regathered from many peoples to the mountains of Israel, which had long been a ruin. They were brought out from the peoples, and all of them now live securely. It says at the end of that that they'll live and they'll be safe. They'll, they'll dwell safely. You can't say that about Israel at the end of the tribulation. Right. right. There, right. there will be absolutely no safety at the end. Of, uh, you know, the enemy's coming after them. So there's going to be no security at the end of that. Um, in fact, uh, Zechariah chapter 13, um, verse 8 through 14, verse 4 points out how terrible it's going to be during the tribulation. You can't say that they're going to have some sort of safety at that time. So... Uh, I, I just feel like that it's it's definitely not the same event there. Absolutely. Well, I think this will be a good time for a break. 
Um, so we're going to go to commercial, and we'll be right back to continue talking about the Gog and Magog War and Russia and Ukraine conflict. If you want to be part of the conversation, join us on Thursday nights at 6.30 p.m. We gather with other like-minded Christian brothers to discuss modern, hard-hitting topics that affect men on a daily basis and use a biblical approach to overcoming common strongholds that affect our families. We show men the importance of being the spiritual leader of their home and what it means to be a real man in the eyes of Christ. Join us at the Palace of Praise located at 1400 Herschel Best Boulevard in Poplar Bluff, Missouri. We meet in room 400 every Thursday. You're invited to come be a part of the discussion. Welcome back to Real Men Talk. We're here with uh, Bishop Josh Reasons talking about Gog and Magog and the relationship between uh, the Russian and Ukraine conflict. Uh, Josh, what what timeline do you think that the Gog and Magog war could happen? Well, I think there's a lot of things that lead up to that. Um, you, you, you hit on something a while ago, or maybe it was Craig that hit on it. Um, I think that as more things um, or... Uh, commodities, more minerals, more all these things, resources, I should say, are discovered in Israel. I think that's going to be more enticing to the regions around them. Um, I think you said it a while ago, Anthony, is that when Russia comes down, I think that their primary reason for doing that, it's going to be for the resources. They're, they're going to basically do it for money. That's right. what, it's, what's, what it's going to boil down to. And then as things go on, again, from all of these other nations, um, they're going to get the boldness to ultimately step in and, and do something an attack, again, due to religious reasons. Uh, we mentioned that a while ago. Uh, they want Jerusalem in, in particular because what it represents to the Muslim faith. So, again, as, all these, as more resources and more things are discovered, that's going to be more enticing to these different nations around them. Right. Um, you hit on it a while ago. You said it well. You brought up a good point that Israel, uh, several years ago, they discovered trillions. I don't even know how many, but it was trillions of cubic yards of uh, natural gas and off their Mediterranean coast. Mm -hmm. Well, the thing that a lot of people don't realize, and we're we're seeing in the news literally, I think it was yesterday, you know, the United States um, and the Western powers, Europe and the United States, and we put sanctions on Russia as a result of their invasion into Ukraine Mm -hmm. as a way to kind of dissuade them from moving any further in. Well, then um, Russia, to answer that, they decide that they're basically going to turn off the tap and that's always what they do. That's always what they've done. They provide the lion's share of the gas and the oil and the reserves to Europe. And they've always hung that over Europe's head. If they felt like the European nations got out of line, Russia would just turn off the tap to kind of get them to fall back into alignment. Well, that's essentially what they've done, even as of yesterday. Right. They, They're they, kind of a bully. They, they are. You know, I think it's uh, Germany right now. For, maybe it's, I want to say 40%. Maybe it's more than 40%. It's more than 40% of their reserves or natural gas uh reserves coming in the nation from Russia. Well, that's pretty well gone as of yesterday. Right. So, but what's interesting is that with all these discoveries off the Mediterranean coast there in Israel, now Israel has become a direct competitor to Russia. And uh, even back in, I want to say it was 2018, 2019, somewhere in that area, uh, Israel began building a pipeline uh, straight up into Cyprus, on up into Greece, uh, on up into Italy and going to supply Europe with, with gas. So now they are a direct competitor mm-hmm. with Russia in doing this. And you, you can imagine Russia doesn't want that. No, because when they, they turn off the tap, they'll be like, 
okay, we'll just go to Israel. Exactly. And so, and so you see this as another draw. You see this as another reason why Russia would ultimately want to come in there. They don't want any competitor. They want to take those resources for themselves. Um, and so the fact that they would want to go in there and do that, plus the fact that, as we mentioned, you have all of these Muslim nations around, it just makes for a convenient alliance. Right. You know? It makes for a convenient alliance. Hey, if, you, if you're going to go in there, we'll ally, we'll ally ourselves with you. And you can have the resources, so to speak, but we want to go in there for religious reasons. And so I think Russia would be perfectly fine with that. I mean, the thing of it is right now, Russia primarily, you know, they used to be a Christian nation going back as much as 100 years ago, but they're very much a secular country now, Yes, very much a secular country now. So they don't really have any religious reasons at all. They're there for the resources. Absolutely. So, you know, having said all that, I think it's very possible. that the, the Gog, the Magog war that's spoken in these scriptures, I think that it could happen just based on what I have read, different people that I've studied and just reading the scripture myself. What makes more sense to me is that this war could happen either prior to, when I say prior to, I'm talking about just prior to the rapture, the rapture of the church, mm-hmm. or I think it could happen immediately following. And, and why I say that kind of thing, okay. you know, if you, if you can imagine, you know, here we as the United States, and I'm just throwing out a scenario. Again, this is just a this is just a, a guess, so to speak, but it makes sense in a way. If you can imagine, if the rapture were to occur, and you had all these Christians around the world that were raptured out, they're gone. Well, you know, the United States, even though we have become sadly more of a secular country over mm-hmm. the last 40, 50 years, you know, we're, we're still predominantly known as a Christian nation. And if you have millions of Christians, you know, American Christians that are raptured out. Well, even though the United States is the primary ally of Israel, if that happens, we're going to have our own issues to deal with as a nation. Yes. And so all of our attention as a nation is going to be on us. We won't have time, so to speak, to take care of Israel. I think that would be an opportune time for an enemy to go in there and say, okay, well, America doesn't have Israel's back now. They got their own problems to deal with. This is our moment. And I think it could very easily happen that they would use that, that, that confusion, that, that chaos that's going to be going on around the world, take advantage of that and just go in there and try and do something at that time. So I think it could happen literally just prior to the rapture or immediately following the rapture is kind of my take on that. Yeah. And that makes, it makes complete sense, you know, and because a lot of stuff that you see Russia do is all strategic. It's all about, you know, what they, what they can get for power, resources and uh, strategic places and stuff like that. Um, and so in order to, for that to happen, you know, I, I seen a meme the other day and it was talking about, it had all these pictures of, of Trump and it, and it had, had Putin sitting on the other side. He said, wait, 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 wait. And then said, Biden is to go, you, you know, and, and stuff like that. And, and I say it half, half heartedly, you know, it's, it's because it, it's not really a, a joking matter. I mean, people are losing their lives and stuff. Um, but it is a lighthearted take on, on what what happened? I mean, it's there's there's truth to that, and so you see Russia and and waiting in in the moment. The one thing that the Biden administration has done right, and there's not been very much. Um, the one thing that they have done right is the fact that they have not abandoned Israel yet. You know, they they've not they they you know so so they are still underneath our protection as as a nation. You know, so so once but. Like you said, I mean, it could happen just prior. If it happens just prior to, you'll see America withdraw from Israel. Yes. You know, and, and so these are all signs, you know, and everything that is happening is signs of the times. It is signs of of us living in the end times. 
you, you know, these, these prophecies being fulfilled. It blows my mind the amount of prophecies that, are, that we are seeing fulfilled right before our very eyes. Absolutely. It, I was crazy. talking to Craig prior to the podcast, and one of the things we were talking about, when you talk to people and, and you know, Christians that believe in end-time prophecy, believe we're living in the last days, truly living in the last days, you'll get some people that will question that and, and say, you know, why, why are you guys always talking about the last day, the doomdayers and all this kind of stuff? It's fear tactics. And, you know, the fact of the matter is there's always been wars, there's always been rumors of wars. There's always been pestilence. There's always been famines. There's always been these things that the Bible says will be in the last days. But here's right. the thing. They've not all come together like what they have now. Right. You know, even Israel being a nation, once again, forming officially 1948, that's a prophetic fulfillment. You know, so again, you you have all of these things in Scripture that say there's going to be their wars, rumors, of wars, so on and so forth. All of those things have been throughout history. Right. But, you know, Israel in and of itself is a huge sign of it being the end times, the fact that they are once again a nation. And then you add to it all of these other prophetic elements that are going to be coming in. And so without a doubt, we're, we're in the last days. Absolutely. So do you think there's a possible connection between what is happening in Russia and Ukraine and the Gog and Magog war? You know, I've thought about that just since all this happened. I'll be honest with you. I don't, I don't necessarily, it, it would be hard for me to just draw a direct link between the two. Um, but I mean, I can give some educated guesses um, in the sense that um, we know that right now we've got all these issues going on in the world. We've got Russia, Ukraine. We've got Iran that, again, wants to take out Israel. You've got China who wants to take back Taiwan. And I do believe, and I think it can be proven, uh, that you do have somewhat of a link between uh, somewhat of an alliance if you want to call it that, between Russia and China and Iran. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the Bible talks about the kings of the East. And I think, uh, you know, some of the fulfillment of that will obviously come out of China. I mean, they're, they're one of, maybe, except maybe India, you know, they're one of the only nations in the world that could field, uh, you know, a 200 million man army. Right. Uh, that's what many estimates will be that will come out of the kings of the East. And so you see this alliance that's going on between Russia and China and Iran and how they, they basically support each other. And I say all that to say, um, maybe maybe their alliance is just nothing more than they just, frankly, hate the Western powers. Right. I mean, maybe that is the unifying factor, you know, between all. And they hate the Western powers, you know, specifically Europe. They hate the United States. And so they support each other. I mean, here you have Iran and China support Russia's effort to go into Ukraine I don't think they've officially recognized it, but they, they certainly haven't just come and said, don't do it. We've not seen anything like that on, on the news networks where China's condemned them. So the fact that they keep their mouth shut is proof that they're okay with it. Right. And then you have Russia and Iran that ultimately would support China's taking back of Taiwan. You know, they don't have, have a problem with that. And right. then you have Russia and China that would support Israel taking, uh, uh, would support you know Iran taking Israel if it could. And so again, you know, it's just the fact that there's this common hatred uh, between, you know, those three countries for the Western powers. So they all support each other in those ways. So Russia invading uh, Ukraine, you know, many people have been talking about on the news that that's the biggest military engagement in Europe since the Second World War. Um, for Russia, it's a matter of national pride. You know, I, I really do think that Putin, he would love to make it the USSR again. He would love mm-hmm. to make it some kind of 
you know, Russian empire. Once again, if he could get back to that, he wants to keep Ukraine from joining NATO. Um, um, he doesn't want, he, he doesn't want a NATO member on his borders. That's his biggest issue. You know, he doesn't want a NATO member on his borders. He wants to have a buffer zone there. So I say all this to say, I think it depends on how strong that alliance between the three, the three nations is. And I think it's pretty strong. For example, um, if Russia supported from the North, like Ezekiel 38 talks about, you know, Iran and other nations in an invasion of Israel, well, what's, what's the pretext of that? You know, I, I think the connection could be simply that, you know, like what we mentioned a while ago, the connection uh, between the, the uh, uh, Russia-Ukraine invasion could just simply be that they would, once again, just kind of get in support and alignment that, hey, Russia wants the resources. So right. therefore, you know, Iran supports that and then they come on board. Or you get Iran that wants uh, the land of Israel uh, or Jerusalem in particular. And because of that, they're just like, well, okay, you know. So I think, I think it could just kind of turn, you know, uh, unknowingly kind of turn into something there. So I think that could be the possible explanation for it. Right. Well, you know, and when you break down what's happening, and I, and again, I don't want to make any kind of lightheartedness about um, what has taken place because there are, there are people who are losing their lives, and, you know, war is, war is always a brutal thing. Um, but Ukraine's not the best of nations. You, you know, I mean, Ukraine's kind of evil all, all on its own. You look at what, what the president has done to, to the opposing uh, um, uh, uh parties, you know, I mean, arrested them afterwards, you know, anybody who has an opposing thought, he's really a lot like Vladimir Putin, you, you know, in, in the way that he rules and yeah, different there's things corruption like that. all around. Yeah. yeah. And, um, you know, and I'm sure that, that, that the resources and stuff that it has is, is strategic. You know, you look at, at Ukraine has got a lot of really good stuff going on, you know, as far as like their, um, their resources that they yeah. have, you, you know, the metals and, and all that stuff. And, and I, there was a list I had gotten. Craig, did you did you pull up that list of all the all the places that that they rank in the world for, um, for all that stuff? It, it was crazy. Somebody had had went through and they had put a a list together of where Russia rank or where uh, Ukraine ranks in the world in like their their medals and their their rocket launchers and their their corn and you know and and all that stuff. And they were all they were pretty high up there in a lot of areas. And so the the resources they have, just just read off just a couple of those. Okay, and th- this kind of just points a picture of why uh, Russia, you know, wants Ukraine. But uh, they're the second largest country by area in Europe and has the population of over 40 million. U- Ukraine ranks first in Europe in proven recoverable reserves of uranium ores, second place in Europe and 10th place in the world in terms of titanium ore reserves second place in the world in terms of explored reserves of magnesium uh, ores, 2.3 billion tons or 12% of the world's reserves, second largest iron ore reserves in the world, 30 billion tons, second place in Europe in terms of mercury ore reserves, third place in Europe or 13th place in the world in shale gas reserves, 22 trillion cubic meters. And that's just to name a few. Right. And there's a whole entire list. Yeah, there's 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 a lot of them. And, and so you see, but it just kind of goes to show the the mentality of of Russia, of of Vladimir Putin and and and, and all this stuff of of what his mentality is. I was um I was reading through um and verse find it here. Uh verse 10 of Ezekiel 38. 
It says this. It says, this is what the Lord says. On that day, thoughts will arise in your mind and you will devise an evil plan. Okay, so uh, I've, been, I've been reading this book, um, um, The Harbinger, right? And, 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 and I'll, I'll bring them all together here. Um, but it was talking about, in, in, this, in this book, it was talking about how, how in the world could all this stuff that, that correlated on 9-11, you know, down to like the tree and the, the, the tree that they, they gave to him. And the, the prophet in the book told me, he said, it's, it's divine inspiration, Okay, so so is what he's talking about, you know. And even though these these people who who donated the, the tree and stuff like that are not necessarily of of Christian faith, they they were still inspired, you know. Hey, I'm I'm going to do this, you know. And, and they didn't realize that they were being inspired. And so you're you're going to be inspired from one either from good or bad. But you know, everything everything begins with a thought. We know that we've talked about that. Every single thing begins with a thought. And I just thought that was so crucial. That right here, you know, they talk about here in the, in the end time before the the Gog and Magog war is is this divine um, uh, or uh, these thoughts that will take captive in the, in their minds, um, and you bring that into correlation what's happening right now in Russia and Ukraine. Um, the, these you know what what long term goals um, Russia has right now we we don't know you, you know that obviously this is not their only move that they're thinking about. Um, has has those thoughts already taken place? If they are, have they already started to devise the what we would call the Gog and Magog war? Um, you, you know, all these things have those thoughts already taken place? You know, well, if it hasn't, it definitely will one day. You know, because we know the Scripture talks about that, and uh, I think without a shadow of a doubt, you know, the people would say the chess pieces they're being set up, and and anybody that has any kind of general interest in end times prophecy. That just does some basic uh, search with, you know, study of the scripture and with an open heart and open mind to what the scripture has to say, you will see how these things that are prophesied in scripture, they have to be fleshed out in real life situations. Yes. You know, um, and, you know, even the Bible talks about uh, when, we, when we say that Russia, for example, when we say that Russia is going to come down uh, and people, well, why will they come down? Well, the Bible talks about it. they'll come down for plunder. You know, they're coming down right. for the spoils. I mean, it tells you the reason why. And then you see how that is fleshed out. You see how that's genuinely lived out in the, in the experience of what Israel's encountered with the discovery of all these reserves that they found. So, yes. it's, it, you know, when it talks about spoils, it doesn't tell you exactly what spoil. It doesn't say they're going to come down for oil, but we can see, we can piece the two together to see exactly what the Bible's talking about. All right. Well, we're going to take one more break. And, um, and when we come back, we're going to talk, we're going to have our closing thoughts on what's what's taking place in the coalition between Russia and Ukraine. If you want to be part of the conversation, join us on Thursday nights at 6.30 p.m. We gather with other like-minded Christian brothers to discuss modern, hard-hitting topics that affect men on a daily basis and use a biblical approach to overcoming common strongholds that affect our families. We show men the importance of being the spiritual leader of their home and what it means to be a real man in the eyes of Christ. Join us at the Palace of Praise located at 1400 Herschel Best Boulevard in Poplar Bluff, Missouri. We meet in room 400 every Thursday. You're invited to come be a part of the discussion. Welcome back to Real Men Talk. I'm Craig Reynolds here with uh, Anthony Kernut and Pastor Josh Reasons. Uh, we've been talking about the issue between Ukraine, Russia, the Gog Magog War, 
And uh, and before the break, we were talking about you know the in the scripture where it talks about Russia coming and getting the and getting the spoil, getting the splendor. And uh, and we were talking about um, the the resources that are found in Ukraine and and why uh, why uh, Russia is so adamant about about getting those resources and what the really driving fuel is. And uh, and you know this is just what the Word of God says that in Second uh, Timothy chapter three it says, but know this that in the last days perilous times will come for men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents unthankful, unholy, unloving, unforgiving, slanders, without self-control, brutal, despisers of good, traitors, headstrong, haughty, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying its power, and from such people to turn away. And uh, that's the, that is what we're seeing in uh, the day and age we live in, and especially with Russia. Um, you know, they have their own motives. Uh, they're fueled with greed, with anger. Um, and, uh, and that's just the spirit of the age that we live in. And, uh, Pastor Josh, I'd like to just kind of ask you, you know, in our closing thoughts here, you know, how are we supposed to respond as Christians in, in the day and age we live in? I, it's without a shadow of doubt, we're living in the last days, that we're living in perilous times, that we, you know, like Jesus talked about in Matthew 24, the wars, rumors of wars, we're, we're living in these times, pestilence and famines and, and everything. Um, so how, how should we respond as, as followers of Christ? Well, I think we have to respond with faith. I think we have to. Um, I think we have to look at things differently than the way the world looks um, at the situations. You know, we we have hope, and we have a hope that is beyond um, the things that are in this world. Um, bottom line, I think that the actors uh, in in the end times events, I think we see them. They're taking their stage. I think they're taking their place on on the end time stage. Um, to some degree, to some capacity. And who knows exactly, you know, again, I, I think we're in the season. Who knows exactly when, you know, that, that these exact events will, will happen. You know, if you'll, if you remember in the last couple of weeks, uh, all the news reports were saying that Russia could invade Ukraine today. You know, oh, they move more soldiers to the front. It's going to happen today. And it's going to happen tonight. The, the bottom line is they never could really tell you exactly the day, but they saw enough sign activity that it's, it's bound to, it's imminent, but they couldn't tell you the exact hour, but everything was in place. And that's exactly where we are, you know, on the end time. Yeah. We, we see all of these different things, you know, again, we don't know the exact moment, but when we look around and we see all these things, um, I believe that Bible prophecy, it's being fulfilled in front of our very eyes. I really do. I believe that with everything inside of me. So, you know, when we, as, as believers in these last days, you know, what, what should this knowledge, what's this, this information, how is it supposed to impact us? Well, number one, I think it should encourage us to live right, live holy. Um, and I know that may sound like a given, but there should be that knowledge that we're soon to see our Lord. Our redemption draws near, as the scripture says, we're soon to see him. That alone should be enough of an incentive and encouragement in our hearts and our spirit where we say, Lord, if, you know, if there's things that, that are not right, get them under the blood. Get into the blood of the Lord and of Christ and confess and repent and and start living that kind of life. The next thing is obviously evangelize. Um, we see what's coming. We see the joy that's before us as believers in heaven. We know the rapture. We know you know we know uh, about the marriage supper of the Lamb. Uh, we also know what's coming for those that are left. Right. You know, here on the earth and the tribulation and the great tribulation, the things that's going to come. And that should be that should that should grip us. Yeah. Especially as men, as leaders, 
you know, what, where are our families at? Where, you know, spiritually, how are their souls? You, you know, um, you, you know, we should, we should really take hold. You know, we don't, we don't have the luxury anymore of, you know, well, Lord will come back one day. You know, the Lord will come back one day. The Lord will come back one day, you know, um, and, and to where we don't, we don't always physically say that, but we live like that. Mm-hmm. You know, he'll, he'll come back one day, he, you know, as if it's, if it, as if it is a lighthearted notion, but we should take heart and it is, it is soon. It is soon. And as men, as leaders of our homes and of our communities and of our churches and stuff, we should take, oh, okay, this is, this is now, you know, we should be on guard. We should be ready to rock and roll at any given moment. We should be able to, to know that our children are, are right with the Lord. We should know that our wives are right with our Lord. We should know that our parents are right with the Lord. We should know that our families, you know, we, we have got to, to, to have a, a urgency about us and, and what is happening it, because what we're seeing to where, to where what's happening in Russia and Ukraine may not be the Gog and Magog war, you know, and, and I don't believe it is, but what we should take from it is these are still prophecies that are being fulfilled before sure. us. And because they are prophecies being fulfilled before us, there should be urgency about us that we, okay, do you know the Lord? That should be our question to everybody. Do you know Jesus? Right. Cause he's coming back soon. Absolutely. And I think the biggest reason that people don't, you know, let's be honest is because uh, fear, right? It's fear of rejection. You know, that's the bottom line. And, and I get that. I understand that nobody wants to feel rejected. Uh, but at the same time, our job is to be the light, is to be the salt, give the gospel. What the people do with the gospel, that's between them and the Lord. Right. That's not on us. And I don't mean to say that flippantly as though we shouldn't have genuine concern. Of course we should. But our job is just to simply be faithful. Right. You know, um, you know another thing I would, I would say that we can take from this is be encouraged. And you say, well, what do you mean be encouraged with all this, this trouble and everything that we see going on in the world? And what I mean by that is that God is in control. In other words, if you can look at these Bible passages and you can say, okay, uh, or, you know, the Bible, you know, it's been said many times that the Bible is roughly 30% prophecy. Mm-hmm. Okay. And most of that is talking about end times prophecy. Right. So if you look at the scriptures and if you're a student of end time prophecy and you see how scripture is being fulfilled, you can then say that the Bible's true. Right. It's coming to pass. It's true. And if I can trust that part of the Bible, then I can trust every other part of the Bible. It's all true. You know, so we see it happening. And, you know, as I often tell people, things are not falling apart. They're falling into place. Right. Things are actually falling into place. So we need to be encouraged to know, you know, God is not up in heaven, shaking his head, worried, wringing his hands. What am I going to do? Things are coming to pass. And so we have to be encouraged knowing that, you know, God is for us. He's not against us. He's going to take care of his own. Um, we will see, we, we see his very word being fulfilled in front of our very eyes. So it's honest. It's, it's true. God will take care of his children. Uh, so Pastor Josh, you know, you see, everything going on with Russia, with Ukraine. And, uh, and you know, we've seen th- throughout world history, throughout uh, biblical, even throughout scripture, biblical history, we've seen uh, very similar things. And we mentioned familiar spirits earlier. If you could describe the, the, the familiar spirits of like that you see between like, say, Adolf Hitler and Vladimir Putin, how would you describe that? And, and what should we look for in this time and, and to be aware of that we're, that we're seeing on 
be revealed before our eyes. Yeah, well, Antichrist spirit, yeah, without a shadow of a doubt. Um, you know, the enemy, his number one tool, his number one tactic, you know, the Bible says he's the father of lies. So in other words, um, deception. That's, that's the thing that seems to be ringing true. That's the underlying theme in, in all of this. You know, here in the United States, um, the big question about, that always gets brought up about mainstream media, you know, it's fake news. Yeah. You know, that's always the moniker that's given to it. And so the whole idea there is they're saying that you can't trust it. You know, there's spin. You know, there's a certain radio program that would um, talk about no spin. You know, that was kind of the nickname that it gave no spin. Well, and so that in and of itself is deceit. And so everything that you see going on that gets pushed and promoted within the mainstream media, uh, a lot of the social media um, websites and things of that nature that get pushed, that get touted, it, it, you know, if it doesn't resonate with your soul, your spirit, that regenerated spirit, you know, there's something, you know, it might look good on the surface. The way that bill of goods is being sold right now, you know, it might sound good on the surface, but if that, if the Holy Spirit isn't bearing witness, uh, you see that antichrist spirit being manifested in so many different ways, in so many different areas it's, it's being shown. And so I think that's the definite link there, you know, and, and the enemy is so good at how he sells his bill of goods. You know, he's got a, he's a forked tongue, he's a sharp talker and all these different things. Um, but without a shadow of a doubt, uh, there's just this, there's just this level of deception that I would parallel between those things. Absolutely. Yeah. And you see, even, uh, even within our society, you know, you, you talk about, uh, the biggest deception is of relative truth yeah. versus absolute truth. You know, when you're describing that, it's what came to mind is, you know, whatever's true to you, that's true to you. Whatever's true to me is true to me. You know, we don't have to have the same truth when that's not the case. And you've seen that it's even creeped into the church. Sure. The antichrist spirit of, of this relative truth is it's creeped in of, you know, and I'm not trying to get off on, uh, on a tangent or on, you know, off subjects, but you know, with like same sex marriage, right. You know, Oh, it's okay. Well, what does scripture say? Cause scripture is the only thing that is absolutely true, you know, and it, it, it will never fade away. You know, it was the same yesterday, today, forever. And you know, heaven and earth may pass away, but the word of God will stand forever. And, uh, and we've seen this twist in our society. And, and, and I think a lot of it, I mean, it is, it's the destruction of our nation. What we see going on is because we have, strayed so far away from what the word of God says. And we've, you know, gotten where we don't allow it to be our moral compass anymore. Right. And, you know, when you're led by the flesh or, or led by something that's not the spirit of God, kind of lead you down a place you don't want to go. Absolutely. Right. So. And, and I think that now you see, you see so much fear in everybody in, in every aspect, you know, especially now, you, you know, the, you can see it, in, in the Facebook articles you read, you can see it in, in the, the, the Instagram articles you see on, on no, nobody is certain about what is happening right now between, you know, what's going to happen, what's going to happen with the gas prices, what's going to happen with the inflation, what's going to happen with all these different things. And people are terrified. But what we, what we have to understand that us as men of God, what we have to push is hope because right. we have hope. The, and that hope is Jesus Christ. In the end, we win. That we we were never losers from the beginning. God has everything in control, just like you said. You know, He is not sitting up there shaking it, you know, shaking his head or, or wringing his hands or pacing back and forth. He's calm. He understands what's going on. Everything is divine, um, and He has got everything under control. He's got everything under control, and we have hope. So when these people come to us and they're terrified, when our families, our children, 
you know, are hearing about these things and they're terrified. They don't understand what's going on. They don't they don't know what to take from it. We we have the answer. And that is hope. And that hope is Jesus Christ. You know. And uh, and so Josh, I want to thank you so much for being here with us today and and talking about this uh, the the Russia and, and Ukraine and the Gog and Magog and hopefully this answers a lot of questions for people who may be confused who may not understand um, what is taking place and hopefully the, this births some hope in people and um, and I just want to thank every, all of our listeners and everything that's going on and uh, thank you for listening to Real Men Talk. You've been listening to Real Men Talk, brought to you by the Palace of Praise Church in Poplar Bluff, Missouri. If you'd like to get in touch with us, shoot us an email, realmen at palaceofpraise.com. If you're a man ages 16 and up and would like to join the conversation, join us here at the Palace of Praise every Thursday night at 6.30 p.m. in room 400. If you don't have a home church, consider joining us for worship on Sundays at 10.30 a.m. and 6 p.m. Palace of Praise is located at 1400 Herschel Best Boulevard in Poplar Bluff, Missouri. New episodes of Real Men Talk drop every Thursday at 5 p.m. You can find us at iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, Anchor.fm, Amazon, and more. Real Men Talk is a production of Palace Media Services. part of the conversation. Join us on Thursday nights at 6.30 p.m. We gather with other like-minded Christian brothers to discuss modern, hard-hitting topics that affect men on a daily basis and use a biblical approach to overcoming common strongholds that affect our families. We show men the importance of being the spiritual leader of their home and what it means to be a real man in the eyes of Christ. Join us at the Palace of Praise located at 1400 Herschel Best Boulevard in Poplar Bluff, Missouri. We meet in room 400 every Thursday. You're invited to come be a part of the discussion.